Welcome to Startup Stereo, the German Accelerator podcast with and for founders, innovators, and changemakers. Plug into expert tips, experiences, and best practices around scaling, leadership, new work, and much more. My name is Katrin Grunwald. I'm a coach, mentor, and founder of the Globe Team, the consultancy for team and organizational development. I'm happy to be your host for Startup Stereo, a podcast powered by German Accelerator. German Accelerator empowers high-potential German startups to scale globally. Today's guests are Dirk Schatt, the CMO and General Manager for the US business at Reflect, and Julian Leitloff, founder and CEO of Fractal. In our conversation, we tackle the culture of failure from many different angles. The international one, looking at Dirk and Julian's perception of failure culture in Silicon Valley, New York and Singapore. Also from the company culture angle, looking at the role founders and leaders in organizations play as role models by sharing when something didn't go as expected. And we tackle it from a personal angle, looking at Dirk and Julian's learnings from the year 2020. Wishing you lots of aha moments whilst listening to our conversation about failure or as Julian reframed it, failure is only failure if you stop doing it. Before that, it's learning. A warm welcome to Dirk Schad and Julian Leithoff. Dirk joins us from Reflect and Julian from Fractal. And our topic today is culture of failure. What an interesting topic. I'd like to say hello and uh, invite you to introduce yourselves. Let's start with you, Dirk. Yeah, well, hi. Um, I'm uh, very happy to join the podcast today. I'm Dirk. I'm the CMO of Reflect and uh, also the general manager for our U.S. business. Reflect is an augmented reality technology company um, visualizing instructions and manuals on, on machines and equipments. And before I joined Reflect, I uh, was with uh, Hyperloop and uh, led their um, air development and build uh, marketplaces and things like that. Before that, I, I used to work for a, a Skywork, a Swiss-based uh, aviation startup. So my passion is all around technology and uh, and products and, and markets and, and that's what I what I love to do and I'm happy to talk about culture and about failures and learnings uh, today. Yeah, great to have you and also great to have you Julian. So hello to Berlin. Yeah, thanks a lot, Katrin. Um yeah, I um, recently uh, wrote a book about my entrepreneurial journey that started with a company called uh, Stillnest. Um and we've been um back in 2015, 16 in New York. Um, this is how I um, got to know the German Accelerator. Um, and the journey started really early when I was uh, 22, right off, out of university. Um, and the book is about, it's kind of like a, a love story about entrepreneurship, but also telling the parts that didn't go as, as well. Um, but why I would also still do it again. Um, I'm now in my second company um, called Fractal. Um, this is more, the product is more to my, closer to my, um, to my heart, what, what I like to do personally. Um, it's about identity, 
about providing an infrastructure piece to an emerging uh, decentralized finance and blockchain ecosystem. Um, and that's the third year now. So we found it in 2017. Yeah, great to have you. And both of your experiences with culture failure. Let's start with a definition and well, a subjective definition, I would say. So if I'd ask you, how would you explain that to your grandparents? Really, you know, Christmas is coming up, you visit your grandparents and the Christmas conversation comes to that topic. How would you describe that, Julian? Well, I would, um, I would probably ask how the typical dish, you know, that your grandparents um, usually have, how, how it became that good. And the answer would probably be, well, by, by trying, right? And uh, if you go all the way back, then the dish probably started somewhere and it probably wasn't as good. Um, and everyone knows that. Um, and, um, you know, I think if you're, uh, if, if you're very familiar with that person, then probably he or she is going to admit that at one point they were terrible cooks because they just started out. So um, I would say um, failure is only failure if you stop doing it. <laughs> Before mm -hmm. that, it's learning. <laughs> awesome. I love it. How is it for you, Doug? What's your very personal definition of failure? Um, I would say it's more an explanation than a definition, but I usually go back and, uh, and, and, and remind the people of how did we learn? How did we start to learn uh, when we were kids, right? And, uh, and that's all about learning from failures, right? You try it. It doesn't work. You try it again, over and over again, and then somehow it works. Um, and that was the time we were allowed to do that, and nobody nobody criticizes for for doing that. And if you do the same now in in a, in a grown up phase, it's different. And that's I think if we we always remember that and go back to that, how we learn um, really from the from the first baby steps. That's kind of my definition. Yeah, really, the, this image of walking. I mean, you can't. Babies can't walk right away. It's like getting up, falling down, getting up. Yeah, exactly. How is that um, to, to start bringing the topic on a, on a global scale? How is that culture of failure and your perception of it in the different regions of the world that you've been also with German Accelerator? So, Dirk, right now, your company is also based in Silicon Valley. Let's maybe start there and then move with Julian towards your experience in Southeast Asia. How is it in, in the valley? It's, I think, from <laughs> what everyone knows, is, you know, it's absolutely normal to fail, to, to crash your startup and get up again. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it's very interesting. And, and I guess before we, we, we dive into it, uh, we must make sure not to paint a, a black white picture, right? Because sometimes people say, oh, yeah, it's a Silicon Valley and uh, it's everything is cool. And then in Germany or in Europe, basically everything is kind of boring. It's not like that, right? I mean, uh, people are the same everywhere. Uh, what, what, uh, what, what, I, what, I, what I think is that some of the differences are, um, and, and by the way, let me, let me add that. Uh, we, we talk about that a lot in our team. We have a Friday's book club uh, and it always comes back to culture and environment. Just as let, let, me, let me mention that and I will come back to that. So um, the differences are in, 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 in some examples. In, in Germany, we like to plan, right? That's one thing. In, in, uh, in the Silicon Valley, uh, people are hands-on. 
they, they try it out, uh, maybe not having a plan and just trying it out and then see what's going to happen. Um, and I, there it is also more about the big picture. Uh, while, while, you know, we Germans would love to, to have every little detail. Uh, and I always see that with the comparison of, you know, when you talk about cars, uh, and we talk about these little details about the dashboard and all of these things, right? And the, and, 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 and you ask people, they just say, well, it just works, right? Uh, and, 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 and that, and that's, I think that's very different. So the Silicon Valley culture is, from my point of view, mainly based on the mindset. And the mindset is a differentiator to, to what we have. Uh, and that, that's also the basic for all the cultural and, 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 and failure discussion. Um, and, and the valley, it is allowed to, to, to think differently, to come up with crazy ideas. It's, it's, it's even, you know, kind of required to do that. Um, and then you have so many people there who failed because you went, oh no, 95% of the startups fail. And there are only these kind of like 1% hyper growth, like Slack and, 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 and Miro and HubSpot and, and Uber and all the rest. It's not like that. But um, that's one of the things we in Germany and we realized that when we started, um, we thought we know all about that, right? It's because you speak English, you go over, you go to San Francisco and you say, well, let's kick it off here. Uh, and then it hits you like a wall because you realize, especially when you have a marketing or a sales background, that's different. People think different. And, uh, and that's something you have to get used to um, and, and being open-minded. And I have the feeling sometimes that um, in, in Germany, you know, you don't talk about your salary, which is something normal in, in, the, in the U.S., right? Um, but you, you don't talk about your failures. You talk about your success. Uh, in the Valley, that's, that's different. You ask people for, for their advice. You ask people about how you can learn from their failures, and they're eager to share. So I think these are some of the, um, some of the differences, and, and we can dive deeper into that. And that's what, what, what makes it for me different. And I said, there are many other things where I say, hey, uh, you know, there the European culture is really, is really good. Uh, and, and then sometimes uh, the, 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 the Silicon Valley culture is kind of, you know, sometimes just too much. Right. Uh, and you see that everyone is a founder. Everyone is a VC. Everyone is cool. Everyone is successful. And then you have to look behind the scenes a little bit there. It's not everything pink. Uh, but I think the the and that's what I hear also a lot from from uh, from West Coast people. The combination of the, the Silicon Valley mindset and the way how we think in Germany and how we deal with the with the with business in Germany this is a fantastic combination. The best of both worlds, kind of. Absolutely. How, yeah. So Dirk mentioned the mindset. Julian, how was your experience? Because you have had the opportunity to be both with German Accelerator in the New York program and in Singapore. And what was your experience in those countries or cultures with regards to mindset or also general systems in place for, for allowing failure? Mm. Um. My, my experience um, is, uh, is obviously quite different um, when I'm looking at, at the New York City um, startup experience. I'm 
being able to kind of dive into the ecosystem. One of the most um, interesting meetings I had was with, uh, you know, people that were, uh, have been quite successful. So I, um, uh, an advisor of ours, um, got me in touch with one of the founders or at least early, um, early contributors to MTV. And he, most of the time he was talking about the things that he did afterwards, because for him, this was a lot more interesting and, you know, picturing like someone, um, who has been successful in, in Germany, they would probably not touch base on their failures. I, I completely agree with Dirk there, but that make him so much more authentic and also, um, likable in a way because I could relate to that you know and um, that's something um, that I see a lot in in, in Germany where um, startups don't have a brand because they don't uh, open themselves up to talking about something that um, is that is interesting to the people listening and that always uh, includes some um, some things that make you vulnerable as well you know, so I think that talking about failure is one of the best ways to um, also get people to join you in your cause. Um, going to uh, Singapore obviously was a very different experience. And I would say that I have a lot less insights there. Also because Singapore is a melting pot. So you have very different influences, right? You have, a, um, you have, um, you Indians there, you have Chinese there, you have uh, a lot of communities that um, um, some some people say that Singapore is kind of the gateway to Southeast Asia. And it's true. Everyone speaks um, English um, and there's an adaptability that's really cool. Um, we kind of also ventured into China and into Japan a bit. And um, those are just very different um, cu cultural approaches to failure in itself. I mean, Japanese is famously um, uh, well reluctant to to admit failure, and if you admit failure, then it's a face losing exercise, right? Um, that even goes all the way to people um, committing suicide to regain their honor. Um, so that was very, very interesting. And um, I would not judge it, though. Um, I think there are advantages to and aspects to each of these cultures. Um, and one thing that struck me very early on when I did research at my um, alma mater at the Zeppelin University uh, for the chair of, of uh, technology, um, I had to do research into innovative cultures. And it turns out that there are two ways to, to innovate, which is the hierarchical way um, where you really structure and you have uh, iterative approaches to become better. Um, and then there is a very loose coupled uh, way of approaching innovation. So I think actually both can work. If you ask me though, I would, I definitely have a, a favor, the loose coupled way of getting there. If you move from your experiences abroad back to um, the startup scene in Germany and, and the culture you've experienced, and Julian, you wrote a book about it as well, about your personal experience with failure. And um, if you could share a bit more in, on your book, Kindhorn, what is it that you 
if you kind of put yourself in an outsider position looking at the German startup scene, how would you see failure being touched upon there? Um, well, first of all, um, the the name doesn't translate well into English, but it's a pun on uh, the unicorn status. <laughs> um, and the reason that we wrote it was that um, uh, my co-author, Kaspar, who's a um, kind of like a, used to be a TechCrunch equivalent um, author in, in Germany, Gründerszene. Um, he's, he's now same, uh, but um, he has, he's now working for an outlet that is uh, focusing on FinTech a bit more. Um, but we knew because we were talking or experiencing those failures, um, but we couldn't read about them. So everything that we could read about startups uh, was like the fundraising news, right? And so actually it was really boring back in the days. You didn't have like the, the, the interesting parts. And um, I couldn't really identify with what was being reported there. That wasn't my everyday life as a founder, right? And um, so this is why we started writing the book. Um, because, well, if you don't like it, you need to start by yourself. You need to, well, open up with the risk of um, some people not liking it or you making a fool out of yourself. Um, and that was the motivation. And um, so before the book was published, I actually experienced that myself. I was, I was quite nervous about it. I didn't know how people were to react, right? Um, and so it takes a bit, it takes guts to open up about it, to open up about failure. Um, even if it's not really failure, but just some rough patches. Um, but I do think it's important not necessarily because you get further ahead. I, I also believe that it advances you, you know, in, in, your, in your professional life, but it makes it a lot better. You don't, as a founder, you have so much to struggle with. You have so many challenges to face. Why do you need to feel alone as well? Why do you need to feel isolated? You know, open up, um, talk about it, and you will find that people can relate to you, that they are happy to help you. Um, and that was something that I experienced after publishing the book. So it was actually a pretty great experience for me. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. This topic of opening up. Um, my next question would be towards Dirk. Where have you, or also because you are based in, in Silicon Valley, looking at the German startup scene a bit from there, what do you think is necessary in order to establish a, a healthy culture, a what Julia mentioned, a opening up culture about failure in Germany. I would start with leadership. Um, everything comes back to leadership. If, if, if you as the leader are not the role model, creating that culture and that environment, then it's very difficult, right? Because how should your team uh, um, be, be being be open enough to to open up as, as, as Julian described it, right. And, and, and feel comfortable with sharing and also admitting that there is something wrong or that didn't work as expected. Um, then, then, uh, then it's very hard. So I think, and that's by the way, also one of the points which, which comes up every Friday in our, in our book club, the environment, 
whether this is a, a cultural environment or the environment of you know feeling feeling comfortable with sharing um this is what you need to have so um that's what i what i'm telling also the team and i take these examples from uh from the belly uh and and, and share them um and then you know i i i always remember i i i met uh, uh one of the uh, uh founder from the silicon valley who was involved in, in marketos and was now in one of the founders of gainside uh, so really successful companies, and I met that guy at a conference, uh, and I I kind of talked to him for for a few minutes, and then afterwards I thought, hey, well, like he solved things um, I'm struggling with, uh, so I I sent him a message, and I didn't expect anything, uh, uh, and he replied and said, yeah, well, look, I I live close to your office, I'll come by, we grab a coffee, and we can talk about it, and I thought, well, I cannot I cannot believe that. Uh, but well, I mean, meanwhile, we, we, we do that regularly. And, and you know, I, I felt so comfortable with, with, with sharing uh, the, the topic I'm, topics I'm struggling with. Uh, and he gave me really, really good advices. And, uh, and that's a really, really interesting relationship. So I want to give my team exactly the same environment. Uh, and I was pushing them to say, well, look, give it a try. Because, you know, we are in a startup. We, we don't know. Uh, many things. Well, we have to run experiments. We have to do tests. We have to learn from it. Especially, you know, if, if you take uh, our our market, which is an early market with with augmented reality, right? This is not like e-commerce where you can go and, and just grab some data and say, okay, how did Zalando do that? How did Amazon do that? Okay, copy it, and make it better. It's not possible. We don't have the data. We have to we have to build a hypothesis and then uh, see if we can validate them or not. Uh, and and that's what I what I what I what I what I'm teaching and and what I show the team. Say, well, look, do that experiment. If you believe that can be successful, let's give it a try. Maybe you don't need to spend 100% of your budget on it. Uh, maybe try it with 10%. So then the, the risk is not that high, uh, and nothing is going to happen. But how? What other way would you have to 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 test it? And that and that's of course an environment where they feel comfortable. Um, and then also, you know, share the failures and, and say, well, look, I did that, but it seems it, it, it doesn't work or it didn't work. Now, what, what can we do better? And, and, and ask the team for it, right? Ask the team and say, well, and, and, and also bring in other people, uh, you know, external people or sometimes also from the GA group and say, hey, you know, the team is working on X, Y, Z. Uh, but they're, they're, they have a, have a bunch of questions. Can you can you join? And then they do a session, and then they 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 you know ask all of their questions and say, hey, we tried that, it worked. What, what do you think was the problem? So having that environment, I think, is a trigger. And then the second thing is what uh, what Julian mentioned that uh, when he said or when he talked about that melting point, um, I have I have the hypothesis that. The more diverse your team is, the, or your environment is, the easier it is to have that uh, culture of failure. Um, that's what I realized. So my teams are are usually international, um, and from 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 different countries, just to have that different cultural background. And I think that's also one of the success factors of the Silicon Valley. There, there's so many different people with so many different cultures and so many different opinions. Um, you have to listen to it. Right, that, that's how it is, and I think that that's one of the one of the differentiators and one of the 
um, one of the success factors for for having a really good culture there. So the diversity, really, of people yeah. coming together. Where do Absolutely. you see, uh, maybe this question also to Julian, going in that line, uh, because Dirk talked about leadership, um, and to see what role do founders have, according to you, um, in, in shaping a corporate culture where failure is just a normal part of it? And I think we have less of an active role than it's um, usually portrayed. Um, and that um, there is like, of course, we set the frame for things, um, but um, we need people in the team to really fill this with with life, because otherwise it's just like a directive order, you know, and everyone's like, yeah, sure, obviously we're going to follow it. But then the, the culture, the implicit rules really set in. Um, where people might not follow it, right? And so to to back up a good culture is always um, a team effort. And so usually I've noticed that people that are um, uh, that are in the head of positions, uh, you know, they are really um, important for for fostering the culture. And something that Dirk touched on that I think is very very important. I think one of the advantages. Um, of you know us being abroad or us working with people that are not from the same culture, which for us is like the majority is, is by far non-German. Um, actually, we're not the biggest group in our company. Um, and that enables us to really actively talk about, okay, what type of culture do we want? And then you can kind of cherry pick and different aspects. Um, you know, you don't have to, You, you probably want something of the boldness of this American way of approaching failure or potential failure. Um, maybe you don't want part of the Hebrews here um, and you want to pick some other aspects. And, uh, you know, that whole thing just allows for stuff to really come together. But if you're talking about coming together, then there are others that are non-leadership or non-officially leadership. Maybe they are leadership, but more the implicit kind. Um, that really bring this to the table. I, I see here uh, in, in the camera also Dirk nodding, yes. How would you say that um, very concrete things, like Dirk, you mentioned there is, a, I think you, you called it a book round or something like that on Friday afternoons. Um, there are fuck-up nights, there are flop casts, there are different outlets for people to share about, also the things that didn't go well. What other things would you maybe also recommend to listeners out there that you've implemented in your companies um, to give people this space, or like Julian said, to fill up the frame that founders give them to really bring a, a culture of failure alive? That's a great question, yeah. Um, I would always recommend to have a, a dedicated format for that, right? That's at least a starting point. Um, back, back, back in the time when I was with Hyperloop, we, we had uh, a super relaxed session on, on, on Friday afternoons, uh, where we, uh, just, uh, you know, were in our couches and, uh, and we always invited someone, uh, and then, uh, we had some, 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 some beers and chips and we talked about, okay, so, um, w what are the things, uh, 
you're struggling with, what are, what are the failures you can talk about, and what are the learnings, especially. You know, we don't want to focus on, on, you know, on the failures. We want to talk about the learnings. Um, and that was a very open conversation and, uh, and a team, and it was a mixture of you know, people from supply chain and engineers and software developers and business people, so very diverse in terms of the positions and the job background. Uh, and they were hungry for that session, and I just kind of were. They, you, if, if there was a, if there was something, and, and you know, I'd say I have to cancel this week. No, there's no way. Um, and and now, as said at Reflect, we have an our our, in, in, especially in the marketing, our our five days book club, where it's basically about about uh, sharing uh, uh, things from books, but it always comes back then to 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 these kind of topics, which I find interesting. Um, so there's a pattern what what uh, what the guys want to know. Uh, so I think you need a format, um, you know, that people know what they can expect. And um, I love reading books. So there, there's a bunch of books uh, and and, uh, and the listeners can also reach out. I have books like uh, Growth Mindset from Carrot Web. There are many others. And uh, and then I said, talking to, to Yunya mentioned it already, talking to people who did that. Right, because I said, even if you take the most successful startups, and they have a lot of problems there. It seems everything is working well, and maybe they had a lot of luck, and many of them have luck, uh, and they were at the right time, at the, at the right place, and, and that's it, basically. But they're also struggling. They also have problems. So talk to the to the people. You know, it's it's a it's a huge community, and I said, why should I make the same mistakes others already? already made why can i not just learn from them it's much easier and, and if you have that share culture and, and do that and that's what i'm telling the team you know go out and, and, and talk to people or tell me uh what the, what's the what's the kind of person you want to talk to and, and learn from that person you know, well then we organize it and we bring that person in um and i think that that leads then to that to that open uh, openness to say all right um i'm happy to talk about that but a format is for me, and what you know, how you do it is for me not that important. It's more important you have a clear format. How is it for you, Julian? What kind of formats or learning environments did you establish in your companies? Maybe to just quickly point out something, uh, you were you were talking about like you know Flopcast failure uh, setup, yeah. and um, that was something that was quite hilarious for the book because uh, people couldn't really couldn't really cluster it you know they like what is it is it a failure is it a great success you know i don't know so we ended up being on online marketing rockstars one of the biggest business uh, podcasts mm -hmm. in germany yeah. where they always talk about success right uh, i was also part of like the flopcast <laughs> which uh, um <laughs> where, where we talked about failure so and people were just irritated because they couldn't really place it um and mm -hmm. i think you know like this specific startup experience um it depends on from what angle you look at it is it going to be like a industry defining startup that we founded well probably not not sure yet but probably not um but uh, was it a huge success from a personal standpoint when you compare it to like people working all their lives to like save like let's say 300,000 definitely yes or at least again it looks like it right um, so I think it starts with how you frame things and normalizing an environment uh, with, which has um, non-set outcomes 
um, is very, very important. And this is the thing. I mean, what is failure? Failure is when there is an outcome that is not the desired one, right? You want to you want to change a market and it doesn't work. The market isn't ready. You don't get the funds, whatever it is, um, but you tried. And the interesting part is that wherever failure is involved, people are interested because they kind of sense that it's about something important. There is actually um, room for stuff to also go wrong, but, and that's the, the most important part, um, without this potential failure, you don't have the potential opportunity. That's just the way it is, right? I mean, look at the stock market. You can't have like 20, 30% gains or even more without having some risk. And this exercise about is about normalizing risk. And people have a very, like in general, have a very um, opaque idea of risk. And we already know that people have a risk um, adversity Uh, which actually has a negative effect on our way, how we make decisions. I mean, if you read Kahneman, thinking fast, thinking slow, right? This was a breakout success because people realized we're pretty dumb in our decision-making process. So actually it's de-biasing yourself what is what you need to do to be successful. So the successful people take risks. And this is the main part. If you dump, you're avoiding risk. And you're buying this risk avoidance with a hefty insurance premium that gets you nowhere. So you really want to be smart about risk. And that means you need to talk about it and you need to normalize it so that you get rid of the fear. And so I would really, and this is what, what we're trying here, we need to get it away from this failure department into this is what the smart and rich people do, right? They talk about risk. They engage with risk. They take risk. And they also often fail. If you look at it, they fail all the time. But since they have a portfolio of things, um, the average return is going to be far greater. Um, and so at one point, they have made it. And you're just looking at them as being the successful person, never having failure. And the opposite is true. Very interesting food for thought. Also for the listeners out there. Thank you, Julian, for that. Um, let's move, coming towards the end of our interview, um, towards very personal things. And I know that, um, Julian, you talked about taking risks. Well, um, taking hard decisions is also part of, of the startup life. So I was wondering, um, with regards to your learnings in this very special year 2020 now, looking back at it while we're recording in December, what are learnings you made or decisions you took? Something that you will think in 2021, when you look at this year 2020, will really shape your future behavior. Let's start with you, Dirk. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, well, it's, in, it's a very interesting year and uh, I think uh, uh, you can learn a lot from it. Uh, one thing is that I, I, I heard that in a podcast last week uh, that uh, someone said, hey, um, we, we, we think we, we don't know how to deal with that, with the, with the pandemic situation and everything, but everything we have to deal with, we just have to go back in history 
and, and, and look how it has been solved before. And there is always the same situation. And I was thinking about that, and uh, it, it was, it was uh, I think it was David Kensel, the, the CEO and founder of Drift. Uh, and I was thinking about that a long time, and I started to, you know, come up with, uh, with, the, with the example and say, okay, well, did we have that before? Did we have that before? And I discussed it also with Tim, did we have that before? But it's true. It's, it's true. Of course, it's, it's maybe not exactly the same. You have to be a little bit creative. But it's definitely like that. And I, I, find, I found that very interesting to learn from. Um, just go back and there is always something in history where you can learn from. We don't, we, don't, we don't actually use that, right? And he started, I find that super interesting. He started to read a lot of history books is that he learned so much from it. Um, now, now Christmas is coming up. Maybe that's a good advice. Um, and then, I mean... You know, I remember when it when it started in in in, in March, and uh, and I remember when uh, when when I was in a board meeting, and our investors said, "Okay, so now uh, we need to have uh, some some plans here. You know, what's what's going what's going on with the markets? What's going to happen?" And nobody knew what's going to happen, right? But I think it trained us very well to deal with uh, with completely new situations. Uh, to have a much better system to kind of, especially now from the marketing background, to see, you know, what are the channels we're using and what's going to happen in the next couple of months and how do we react to that and how can we also talk about that. Uh, that was a, a really interesting learning. And when I look back now, of course, we said, wow, okay, well, one of the big things or one of the super important things for us was events, right? Because you know, you want to want to show augmented reality, which is a technology you have like a headset. Uh, so, how do you want to show that in a Zoom meeting where you cannot have the people, you know, having the headset on their head? So, how do you want to? How do you? How did they want to imagine? Uh, and we said, okay, well, I don't know how that's going to work without in-person events. Now, if you ask me, I say, honestly, I don't have that hustle anymore. And, and, you know, it's so expensive, these events. And, of course, I want to meet all the folks. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm a people person. I, I, I really miss that. But when I see how we changed the formats now, we came up with a completely new event format, which we have in the quarterly cadence, which is not only for us a great event format, and especially for our customers, uh, something where they get information every quarter from us. But also it helped our teams to think in that quarterly cadence and everyone is now working on it. So before, well, I said, okay, we need to deliver that for marketing because they have a conference, right? Now the whole team is working together and say, hey, next quarter we have the next release event. Uh, so when I, when, I, when I look back, I said, I'm so thankful that we had that. Not a pandemic, of course, don't, don't get me wrong. But to have that experience and, 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 and you know, see, always, see these opportunities, use these chances uh, and really transform that into something new, and I think that's only kind of the, the you know the, the the peak. But if we look back, we can learn so much from uh, from from the last couple of months, um, and uh, and 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 there there's so many learnings about how how do you how do you behave in these kind of phases. Also, you know how to handle that with with the teams. I mean, that's challenging. You cannot go back to the office and you have to wear masks. And people have different expectations. Uh, how do you handle all of that, right? It's a huge learning, but it triggered that we really rethink many of the things we kind of treated as, as common sense. And it, that's how it's supposed to be. 
And I think that's for me the biggest learning. Just break it up and say that the kind of rethinking what we what we as startup people uh, always should do because we're trained to do it, but we realized or oh, maybe we lost that a little bit uh, because we, we already knew. Okay, well that's the way how we do it, how we deal with the business, and now it hit us. Boom! Now rethink it. And that's my biggest learning, I would say. Thank you. How is it for you, Julian? What, looking back at this crazy year 2020, is your learning that you take with you for 2021? Well, I just asked myself recently, like, was it really so different than the other years? And the answer is, <laughs> from a startup perspective, probably not, right? Like, it was just like, yes, it was a crazy year, but the years before were just crazy as well. So, like, if you see um, angel VC investment freezing up in April, in April, um, when we wanted, when we planned uh, around, like, sure, but this can happen to or did happen to you before as well, that you just didn't um, didn't get a tranche that you were looking for um, or that you had to, to readjust. And I think this anti-fragility that startups have um, actually played a major role here. This is why, you know, at least for, for Germany, um, the, the, the startup funds that were going to be distributed Most of them haven't even, for, for different reasons, not been not reached uh, the, the startup scene. Um, but most of them didn't need to because they just readjusted so quickly. And, um, you know, not unlike um, big corporations that um, are, if they are in the wrong sector, really, really struggling and now need to adjust. And I have the feeling like startups just adjusted like that if they haven't already been there. Um, And are now going into those new niches that the changed environment has uh, has exposed. So I think in general, it was actually a really good year for for startups. And um, I won't know, let you off the hook though for the personal learning. <laughs> the personal learning is that um, to see bad news more nuanced and look at what can be in there for me the um the often cited uh, chinese example of a crisis and a chance um because it turned out to be a chance for us not a catastrophe With this uh, more positive outlook, I would like to say thank you very much for taking the time for joining Startup Stereo and all the best to you in 2021. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for plugging in to the sounds of founders, innovators, and change makers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Startup Stereo, powered by German Accelerator. We would love to hear your feedback to improve the experience for you over the next episodes. And we hope you're as excited as we are for more. If you want to find out more about German Accelerator, follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook, and check out our website, germanaccelerator.com.